Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Fathers, we pause this morning to reflect on your love for us. As we pause in the busyness even of the early part of this month and focus our attention on you and shout out with the angels, Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to you for the way you loved us, the way you have created us and recreated us. Glory to you for the way that you have demonstrated your love to us through your son Jesus. You've paid a price for us to draw us to you. We give you our worship and praise for what you have done for who you are. And God, we ask now you'd speak to us through scripture. As we study your word together, as we begin this conversation, we look at the, the accounts in Scripture of the birth of Jesus. Would you speak to our hearts, to our minds, move to our hands and our feet, and teach us how to love better? I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, great to see you this morning. Uh, let me also welcome you to Faith Christian. So glad we get to spend this time together this weekend. Hey, I got a bunch of announcements, things we need to talk about, a little uh, family business real quick. So let's just run through these. Uh, I want to be sure you're going, well, you know what's going on. This is a busy, busy time of year here at, at Faith Christian Church, and I know it's in busy in your life too. So just a couple things going on. Uh, you noticed when you came in today, there's raffles, there's bake sales and set up. Uh, this is all part of one of our biggest fundraisers for our youth, our student ministry. Uh, every year, and that is our Christmas craft fair that happens tonight. Part of that is the bake sale and the raffle. Some things have made, uh, people have made some wonderful things. Uh, we invite you to come tonight at 5.30 for dinner, and then stay at 6 o'clock for uh, our night of crafting. We've done this for years and years now. Uh, this is a huge fundraiser for our student ministry to help send our kids to um, the Christ and Youth Conferences over the, the summer months, and uh, we, we look forward to, uh, to this moment every year. So that's what's going on again, 5.30, dinner's at 5.30, and then the, the crafting begins at 6 o'clock. So hope that you'll be here Bring your family, uh, bring everybody with you for that event tonight. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, oh no, let me do this one. This one's next. Uh, uh, this coming Friday night, our Faith Kids program, that's our elementary age program, have a special event called um, a pool party. Um, yeah, that's right, a winter pool party. Although it's not really going to be in a pool, it's going to be inside. Your kids know all about it. They're downstairs. Miss Kara's telling them all about it. So if you've got kids in our elementary age group, you want to be sure they're here Friday night from 6 to 7 30 uh, for the pool blast. Um, coming up next week uh, is our next night that we're participating in the Blessings for a Backpack program, helping pack backpacks. Uh, we do this on the second Wednesday of every month, and uh, that is uh, coming up a week, uh, not this week, but next week, December 13th, 6 to 7. You want to be sure you're part of that as well. Uh, Josie, our worship minister, asked me to mention to you uh, just one, one more quick reminder. Uh, for those of you who are interested in your kids uh, singing on Christmas Eve, she's gauging interest. Please talk to her today. Um, that's a uh, little ones all the way up through middle school. So if you've got a kid in that age and they'd like to be a part of singing on Christmas Eve, uh, be sure you see Josie uh, today for that. And also our worship choir will be leading our, 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 our music on December 17th. So if you're a member or part of that worship choir or you'd like to be, uh, Josie would love to talk to you about when we'll rehearse and things like that to get ready to lead our worship on December 17th. And finally, go ahead and mark your calendars. Be sure you know what's going on on Christmas Eve. 
Uh, we are we, we love uh, Christmas Eve around here. We have a great uh, time. It's a, I know it's an important part of a lot of your family's traditions uh, for the holiday, Christmas Eve. Uh, this year, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. And so we're, the way we're doing things, just so you're aware, uh, we're going to have two services that day uh, on Christmas Eve. Both those services will be exactly the same. One will be at 10 o'clock when we normally meet on Sunday mornings. The other will be that evening at 6 p.m. So find the, ser the service time that works best for your family and be sure that's a part of your celebration. Bring your family uh, as we uh, celebrate. Christmas Eve together again 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve uh, we started last week this sermon series that we're calling the colors of Christmas uh, which is kind of a, a unique way uh, to talk about what the, what the big deal is about Jesus coming anyway and now rather than me tell you what our color is today I'm gonna let the king tell you and not the king of kings this time but the king of rock and roll go ahead and play that video for me there he is. That's enough of that. Okay, so even though we love the idea, as Andy Williams sings, that this is the most wonderful time of the year, or we enjoy Burl Ives reminding us to have a holly jolly Christmas, the truth is, and you know this already, Christmas is going to be blue for a lot of us this year, because Christmas is a great magnifier. If you've got good things going on in your life this month, December, the festivities can just magnify the good things. But if you've got bad things going on, if you're in a blue period of life, well, Christmas just seems to magnify those things as well. Maybe in one way or another, a blue Christmas describes what the days of this month hold for you. The past several years, Corporately, as a, as a family, as a community, as a nation, as a planet, have been a season of loss for a lot of us. We, we've all lost something. I mean, go back to COVID. Some of us lost wedding dates and graduation parties and plays and games. Since then, some of you have lost businesses. You've lost marriages. You've lost dreams. For many of us, too many of us, we've lost loved ones. Many of you will have an empty chair at your Christmas table this year, maybe even for the first time. Maybe Christmas in this season involves a lot of hurt and regret, shared custody tensions with your ex or tensions with the ex's new lifestyle or financial pressures or maybe some of you dream that this will be the Christmas with that child that you've prayed for for so long, with the miscarriage, the adoption that fell through at the last minute, the, the, the battle through infertility has left you with a grief that others just don't understand. You know, the very first Christmas was far from jolly and holly for Mary and Joseph. We saw these quiet, peaceful images on our Christmas cards and our pictures 
all these pastoral scenes, but the truth is they were under significant physical, emotional, relational stress. You've got a poor couple having a child out of wedlock, traveling 80 miles on foot to have a baby in a barn. I mean, we sing the song, the cattle were lowing, the baby awakes. Let that sink in a minute. There are cattle in the birthing room. I think you'd call that a biohazard. (laughs) And when King Herod, we talked about him last week, when King Herod hears that another king has been born, King Herod goes ballistic, orders the murder of baby boys to and under in the entire region. So while others are grieving the loss of their children, Mary and Joseph escaped to Egypt to safety. So even the very first Christmas was definitely a blue Christmas. 700 years before Jesus was born, 700 years before the first Christmas, the prophet Isaiah describes the one who was to come. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about, he's he's prophesying about the one who's going to be born in Bethlehem, the one who would rescue us not only from our sins, but could rescue us from our blue Christmas. He used these words. You read them already out loud this morning. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, read this part out loud with me again, would you? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And if the color of Christmas is blue this year for you, or for someone you love, this is what you need. You need a Wonderful Counselor. A mighty God, an everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace. And if you're wondering, well, how do I access that in my life? How do I make that a reality in my life? Then I believe that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote these words just for you. Draw close to God, and God will draw close to you. Why don't you read that one out loud with me too? That's a good one. Draw close to God, and God will draw close to you. The psalm writer writes in Psalm 34 that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, if you draw, when you draw close to God, you will find that God is already close to you. And whatever you're going through, whatever has you blew this Christmas, If you draw close to God, then Jesus will be all that you need him to be, even in the midst of your darkness and distress. Some of you need to draw close to Jesus right now because you need a wonderful counselor. Counselor means trusted advisor, someone who is by your side to guide you and direct you and help you figure out what to do. Wouldn't it be great to have Jesus available as your personal advisor like 24-7? he can be if you draw near to god he will draw near to you others of you in our position this christmas you're in a position to love and to support someone else who is going through a blue season and i need you to notice this is important we need to talk about this for a second i need you to notice that the bible does not refer to you as jesus's backup counselor for some reason I want to be gentle here but for some reason we feel like we need to counsel people who are in a blue season of life and sometimes, with, with good intention, 
sometimes, even with the best of intentions, we say things that are at best insensitive, and other times even kind of stupid and hurtful to people. We say things like, well, I guess God needed him more than you did. Really? Or, you'll grow through this and become a better person because of it. Yeah, okay, but what about the pain now? Well, at least he went quickly. You know, some guys his age have a heart attack and they live and they're never the same. That that doesn't help anybody. Or this one. When God closes a door, he always opens a window. What does that even mean when you're in the middle of grief and trauma and pain? Wisdom like that, there may be some truth in it, but wisdom like that might meet our own need to feel important, to feel like we need to say something to somebody, to give them some words of counsel or comfort. But can I just tell you, very, very seldom does it meet the needs of the person who is going through grief or sorrow. You, know, you want to know what kind of words people need to hear when they experience loss? I'm going to tell you. I hope you don't want to know. I'm going to tell you. They need you to walk into the room and put your arms around their freshly shattered soul and just say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. In fact, the Bible makes this very simple for us. It even advises us to simply say, in Romans 12, 15, mourn with those who mourn. It does not say give counsel to those who mourn. It does not say give some great theological explanation to those who mourn about why this tragedy has happened to them, befallen upon their lives. It doesn't say that. It does not say tell them to snap out of it. The Bible simply says mourn with those who mourn. Some of you need to go to somebody today and just say, I'm so sorry. I'm thinking of you. Or call someone and say, I, I, I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. And I'm so sorry. And I love you. And I know God loves you. You ask, well, what do I say when they ask? Well, why did God allow it to happen? You know, some of the most honest, simple words we can give people are the words, I don't know. But look them in the eye and say, I don't know why this happened, but I know that God loves you and God cares and I love you. Here's what I found. Most of the time, most of the time, you don't have to say a thing. You just show up, put your arm around them, hold their hand. That's all you need to do. Sometimes that's the best thing you can do. You know, there are so many voices to listen to, especially when we're blue. So many places we can go to to get advice or get counsel. We can listen to our friends. We can listen to our family. There's TV talk shows. There's online articles. There's podcasts. We can go to Google. The list goes on and on and on. But to draw close to Jesus as my wonderful counselor means to make a decision to say, Jesus, from now on, I'm going to listen to you about what matters. I'm going to listen to you about what I do and what I don't do. Draw close to the wonderful counselor, and he will draw close to you. This Christmas, we can also draw close to Jesus because he is our mighty God. 
that little baby who became flesh in Bethlehem grew up to express fullness of God's amazing power. To quote the movie Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin, the genie, immense universal power, itty bitty living space. That's kind of the picture of this baby in a manger, right? This small little baby has the full power of God's, God's amazing power in him. I know many of you are fans of the, the great comedy Talladega Nights, and there's that famous quote from Ricky Bobby praying to the dear eight-pound, six-ounce newborn infant Jesus. And it's kind of funny, we laugh at that, but he, there's some truth in this statement because he goes on. Do you remember the rest of the line? Well, we love the prayer about the dear eight-pound, six-ounce newborn infant baby Jesus. He goes on, he goes, don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly. And then Ricky Bobby says, but still omnipotent. There's some truth there. What a great reminder for us that this little baby is the mighty God. He has the power to do more than just counsel and advise. Throughout Jesus' life and ministry, people would draw close to him and find his power. He has the power to overcome sickness and disease. He has the power to overcome spiritual oppression and demonic influence. He has the power to overcome confusion and loneliness and despair. He has the power to fix what is broken, to heal what is broken. He had so much power that at one time, a woman came to him, just touched the hem of his robe, and she was healed. You name it, people will draw close to Jesus to find power from the mighty God. Scripture says this, and I think this is important even at Christmas time. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I think one of the most basic principles you need to, need to help you with your blue Christmas is to turn your worry into prayer. Worry is that inner dialogue, that the thing that's going on in your head all the time that goes, what am I going to do? 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 I don't know. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? When we draw close to God, we change that inner monologue from what am I going to do to God, please do what only you can do. God, please do what only you can do. And maybe you're in a situation right now where you need to call on the mighty God. God, help me relationally. Help me emotionally. Help me spiritually. Help me financially. Whatever is going on, I wonder if what has you down this Christmas, what has you blue this Christmas, is something where you've already done all that you can do. Maybe you've given it all you've got. And deep down, you know that without God doing what only God can do, there is no hope. So let me encourage you to turn that inner monologue of what am I going to do, what am I going to do, into God, please do. I need you to do what only you can do. And if you do that, you will be drawing close to the mighty God who is close to you. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He's our mighty God who unleashes his power into our lives. And next it says he is our everlasting father. Jesus being called everlasting father here is a reminder to us of the fact that Jesus provides for us what a good father provides for his kids. It, it doesn't mean that he gives us everything we want. It doesn't mean he gives us everything we ask for. Jesus is not some, you know, celestial Santa Claus sitting up in the sky whose job it is to give us whatever it is that we think needs to be on our Christmas list. Christmas list. Fathers, good, 
fathers anyway. Good fathers provide what is needed. I love the story in the, the, the book is called The Dance of Hope. The author is a guy, guy by the name of Bill Fry. Fry, uh, Bill Fry talks about a, a student of his who he tutored uh, at the University of Colorado. Uh, the young, man, young man's name was John, and John was blind. And so one day, Bill asked John, as they're in this tutoring session, this one-on-one session, he's just curious, John, are you willing to tell me why you're blind? What happened that caused you to become blind? And John told him a story about an accident that had happened in his teenage years. The tragedy not only took just his sight, but it took his hope as well. He told Bill, you know, I was bitter and angry at God for letting it happen. And I took my anger out on everyone around me. I felt that since I had no future, I wouldn't lift a finger on my own behalf. Let others wait on me, he said, he thought. I shut my bedroom door and refused to come out except for meals. Well, the story surprised Bill, Bill, because obviously John had had a change occur in his life. That was not the person he knew as a student there at the University of Colorado. The John, he didn't display any bitterness, any anger any longer about being blind. So Bill asked, why? Why are you different? And John chased, traced it back to a challenge from his father. His dad, after some time of him just locking himself in the room, making everybody else do everything for him, his dad got tired of the pity party. And he knew it was time for his son to figure out how to get on with his life. So the dad reminded John that winter was coming in Colorado and that told him, hey, I need you to put the storm windows on the house. He said, get that job done before I get home from work and then slammed the door and left. Well, John, this young man, reacted with all sorts of anger, muttering all kinds of curse words, muttering them and just complaining all the way out to the garage where he felt his way around and found the windows and the stepladder and the tools where they'd always been. And he went to work, putting those storm windows in, mumbling, complaining, calling his dad every name in the book. Oh, they'll be sorry when I fall off this ladder and break my neck. But he didn't fall. Little by little, he groped his way around the house and finished the job. That assignment achieved the dad's goal. John reluctantly began to realize that he could still work. And so he began to reconstruct his life. Years later, John learned something else about that day and learned something else about his father. And when he shared this with Bill, Bill says his blind eyes began to tear up. He said, said, I later discovered that at no time during that day had my father ever been more than four or five feet from my side. You see, this father had no intention of letting his son fall. And your everlasting father has no intention of letting you fall either. He's always close. Closer than you know. Closer than you think. Draw close to the everlasting father and he will draw close to you. Finally, in our darkest and most difficult days this Christmas, we can draw close to Jesus as our Prince of Peace. Now, this doesn't mean, when it says Prince of Peace, this doesn't mean that Jesus is, like, next in line for the throne, like Prince William, you know, sitting there waiting for his turn to be king someday. 
Prince here means he's first. It means he's in charge of peace. Peace here is the word that Jews still use today. The word is shalom. And it does not mean an absence of conflict. That's what we normally think of when we think of peace. But this word shalom, it's about goodness. Maybe even more importantly, it's about wholeness, completeness. It's about having the kind of peace that the Bible describes as a peace that passes understanding. Jerry Sitzer was in a car accident. He got hit by a drunk driver in the family minivan. Tragically, he lost three generations of his family in that accident, his mother, his wife, and his young daughter. He was not hurt, and he has written a book about the experience, about going through this journey to find peace after this tragedy. The book is called A Grace Disguised. I think that's a great title for a book, A Grace Disguised. Here's what he writes in this book. The experience of loss does not need to be the defining moment of our story. Can I say that again? The experience of loss does not need to be the defining moment in our story. Now, that's one thing for me to say. Something else when this Jerry Sitzer says it. He continues to say, the defining moment can be our response to the loss. The story doesn't have to be about the loss. The story could be about your response to the loss. In other words, we don't get to decide what roles we play in the story of our lives. But we do get to decide how we play those roles that we've been given. And so you reach this point in loss, you reach this point in your story where you just decide, is this going to define me? Is this going to be what my life is about? Is my story just going to be a story of life or could God be writing a different story? Could God bring peace in my circumstances? Could God bring peace in spite of my circumstances. And can I just remind you that you cannot experience the peace of God until you choose to make peace with God. Paul writes in the book of Romans, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. It does not say you've been made right in God's sight by your good works, by how religious you are, by how many religious boxes you can tick off, by finally getting your your act together. No, no, no. It says we're made right in God's sight by faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can have peace with God. We have peace with God, not because we've done enough good works, but because we draw near to God. And God has drawn near to us. I want to close a little differently this morning. Light these candles here. I want to pray for you this morning. And as you look at these candles, and just consider for a minute, these candles represent, I want them to represent for you, for many of you, someone in your life who has passed away this year but their memory will continue to flicker in your heart 
and in your life and your soul always. You, in, in the room right now, I know these, these candles represent the loss of parents, siblings, friends, and yes, sadly, even some children. Some whose lives were slowly taken by disease and some who were instantly transported to heaven. For me, this represents some dear friends. It's people that I knew and loved. Been to way too many funerals this last month. For others of you, it represents moms, dads, husbands and fathers, friends and loved ones. And each one of those is important to you. They're important to God. And they're important to us. And today I want you to remember them. And I want to pray for you as we head into this Christmas season. There's a second group I want to pray for today also. Maybe you've lost someone dear to you in previous years. Maybe even a long time ago. But you still feel that loss very deeply. And at Christmas, you especially feel that loss. I want to pray for you. If our community team will go ahead and take their places, please. Let me pray for you. God, for every person who is blue this Christmas, for every person who's in a season of loss, I hope that as I pray, I hope they feel your closeness, your presence, your peace, and your power. I thank you for giving us each other. So God, I pray that you would be the wonderful counselor for them with your wisdom. Be the mighty God that makes a way where there seems to be no way. Be the everlasting Father who gives us what we need and be the Prince of Peace in their lives and give them the peace that passes understanding knowing that their story isn't over yet. God, today we remember. We remember the men, the women, the sons, the daughters, the the moms, the dads, the friends, the family that are no longer with us. And God, I can't help but think that our, our neighborhoods, our, our schools, our workplaces, our families are filled with people who need this kind of hope and this kind of peace this Christmas. So God, I'm just praying that you'll touch Christmas this year to bring hope, to bring healing, not just to our lives, but to, to their lives as well. We ask these things in the name of the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Amen.